We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Somebody asked, you know, is Luther like blah, 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 and Drinkwood said, the player that comes to mind for me is Amari Cooper. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Hello and welcome into episode number two of Mizzou That's Who. My name is Tucker Franklin, one of your wonderful co-hosts here uh, on this episode of Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by Casey Sports Network. And also we have to thank our good friends at Charlie Hustle for outfitting us with some great gear, some great stuff that we've got. Make sure to go to their website, charliehustle.com to check out what they have for Mizzou. They've got Chiefs, they've got anything that you want I'll really uh, on charliehustle.com. I'm joined by Gabe Diarman of Power Mizzou and Maggie Johnson, of course. Gabe, how are you doing today? I'm good. I like how you worked in that you were one of the wonderful co-hosts and then we're just like the other people that also <laughs> happen to be here. No, that's not that's not what I meant. I had to, I was trying to compliment everyone at the same time. Uh, maybe I should leave it out next time when I go to introduce you, though, Gabe. That's, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, Maggie, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. I'm excited. Uh, had a great time last week. Excited to get it going this week with you guys. And uh, I think a lot of people enjoyed it. I've heard a lot of great feedback. So I'm excited to keep it going. Yes. Uh, Everybody loves this podcast because they haven't lost yet, right? That's true. <laughs> it's the not podcast our fault is undefeated. So. Uh-huh. Podcast undefeated so far. And they will be uh, up until, <laughs> you know, a couple more weeks. People still love us for a couple more weeks where we got plenty to talk about up until the beginning of the season uh first i think we have to talk about gabe stradamus coming out here and predicting brady cook being the starting quarterback how does that feel gabe um pretty amazing it's yeah, one of the crowning yeah. achievements of my career i think uh i think everyone else was predicting the same thing I, like <laughs> if you'd asked me three months ago i didn't think there was any way brady cook was going to be the starter because you know eli spent six months looking for literally anybody else to be the starter but I don't think it was really very close based on two things. First of all, just kind of what I've heard. And also the fact that he did it eight days into camp. I He got up there and said, you know, everybody else made it a really tough decision. But I think if it was a really tough decision, he wouldn't have made it when he did. 
I think that's a that's a really good point. And and I wrote down on our rundown we've got here. Do you are, are you kind of worried that the the starter was named so early into the the competition? Uh, I think that sometimes this could create some sort of distraction in camp. Is it almost a good thing that the starter was named this quickly into camp? What do you think, Gabe? I mean. I think it's a good thing for the same reason Eli said, like he got up there and said, Hey, we don't have to answer this question anymore. Yeah. Right. He's now mostly focused. It appears on who the starting punter is, which I don't <laughs> know if you guys want to do a whole show on that. That seems certainly like a big deal. Um, but look, the sooner you can get it out there, especially when it's a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience. And I don't think Brady needs his, his ego stroked or confidence boosted necessarily, but I don't think it hurts to get it out there that, hey, this is our guy. We know this is our guy, and he's going to be our guy every day going forward, and, and nobody has to deal with this anymore. Yeah. I think it's good for the – I think it's good for the – like the game, at, like the real-life practicing too because they're going to get into those huddles, and they're going to have – they know that Brady's their leader, and the the receivers are going to get more used to just playing with him instead of the different styles, because I know cook and Macon are quite different styles of quarterbacks. So I do think that just getting it out of the way, the distractions kind of over and we can move on to really preparing for that week one game. And drink must be a listener of this podcast, obviously, because he heard Maggie's pitch for him yesterday or yesterday last week and was like, yeah, that's it. That's all I need to hear. And it was it literally happened like the day after our first podcast. I think it was the next day that uh, Brady Cook was named the starter. And I was really hoping we were going to ride that wave of, you know, who's going to be Mizzou's starter. I hope we were going to get those clicks from that. But nope, drink what said I got to got to put a damper on this one. But yeah, that quarterback is too many people talking about it. Yeah, now we've got a whole podcast dedicated to it. Absolutely not. We got to figure this out. <laughs> we got to figure this out. But no, now that the quarterback issue is put to bed, let's spend some more time. We talked a lot about the defense last week, um, just because I think that's kind of a, a big topic. But I think the wide receiver and running back rooms are are very interesting. The two position groups that we could talk about, I could probably talk about the offensive line for a while too. But the amount of talent that's on the running in the running back room and in the wide receiver room is very exciting. And I want to start with the running backs because they brought in a couple transfers. The first one, Nathaniel Pete, he's from Rockbridge. He's from Columbia, uh, and he comes back from Stanford after having a, a pretty decent season. Led Stanford in rushing with 404 yards. Now the Cardinal were not very good last year. I think they were three and nine. Um, hey, they so that, beat USC, right? <laughs> they did. So he had an 89-yard run, I think, in that game too against USC. So he played well against those guys. He was named to the uh, Doak Walker Award watch list. So that's not nothing. Uh, what do you think about the the transfer coming in? Uh, Nathaniel Pete, uh, already this camp's kind of getting into things. What do you think about him, Gabe? Yeah, well, he hasn't practiced much. Um, you know, we asked Drink yesterday, I asked him about the running back position, and his answer basically, I mean, he kind of hesitated. I don't think they have any idea. I mean, mm. Pete had – I look, I don't know exactly the details. It was the first time I'd ever heard – he wasn't in practice one day, and we asked him, and Eli said, yes, he's hydrating. Oh. I mean, it was hot. Don't get me wrong. I was hot standing out there. I needed to hydrate when I got home and I didn't yeah. even do anything. But, you know, it's obviously a little bit more. I, I don't know what was going on, but that was just something I'd never heard before. Um, Tavoris Jones, literally first carry of in live action in his college career, scores a touchdown from like the four yard line, then pulls up and grabs a hamstring. Um, hasn't, I think, really practiced full since then. Uh 
Eli said yesterday, Taj Butts was starting to do some good things. And then he had, and this is what I found. Every player who's who's got anything going on in Missouri's camp this year has a soft tissue injury. So, you know, that could be, it's gotten to be hockey where it's upper Mm -hmm. body or lower body. I was about to say hockey. I was about to say that too. I'm kind of interested in seeing um, Cody Schrader, to be honest with you. Uh, I know he was an All-American at Truman State. Um, ran over 2,000 yards, 24 touchdowns. I'm kind of interested to see what he can do. It makes me a little nervous because D- Truman State is not does not play an SEC schedule. It's right. different, and we. I mean, I, I did see some. We different. want Bama signs in Kirksville. <laughs> right. I. But I am. I'm excited to see if he can win the battle, or if we're looking at more of a three quarterback, or I'm sorry, three running back rotation. Well. I I said a couple weeks ago, like find somebody that looks at you the way Missouri fans look at a walk on running back. And (laughs) that does not mean Cody Schrader can't play. He very well might play. I I don't know. He might start week one, honestly. Drinkwood said yesterday he's the most consistent guy in camp, but I still have a little PTSD from drink telling us all last off season. There's a role for Michael Cox on this team. (laughs) I don't know what that role was. It was not carrying the football very much, you know? So It's just an uphill battle for for a walk-on guy to get it. I, I'm curious, and I don't have an answer to this, but like, I thought Elijah Young looked good last year when he carried the ball. I was pretty impressed, but he really couldn't get on the field much until they had no other option in the bowl game. And, yeah. you know, Drinkwood said again the other day, he needs to be more consistent. Like, I just kind of get the feeling there's something that they don't love about him. Yeah, and that's something that could very well be possible. In the bowl game, he had 13 carries, uh, 75 yards, five catches for 32 yards against Army. So a decent day at the office uh, when he was forced to play, when he was put in there, when he had to play. As we mentioned last week, Brady Cook didn't have you know Tyler Beatty in that bowl game. He had Elijah Young in that bowl game, which played well, everything like that. I do think the Cody Strader transfer is very, very fascinating. He was a D2 I think he led D2 in all of rushing yards and he plays in the GLVC, which is, it's a tough, it's a tough conference, but it's also not the toughest uh, division two conference that there is. He was, uh, I, I think that just having a guy like that, uh, that you can have a rotation, you're almost seeing this a little bit with the chiefs, right? You've seen a, a few guys that can do a little bit of a little bit of everything. And I think that's kind of what you got with this running back room that can do, uh, you know, maybe the harder runnings, the, the pass blocking, the, the third down back, you're going to see that a little bit, I think, with this group. Yeah, I, well, here's I, the a, thing, a few guys. of them. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, does it matter? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, does it matter who starts? It's, no. it, it is the most replaceable position in college football, right? Uh, it, I, there's going to be a guy back there. I mean, uh, you know, I, I might be a fan of a football team who took a running back in the first round two years ago for reasons beyond my comprehension, um, you know. But, like, I, I don't mean to to totally downplay. You want to have a good running back, but I think it's the least important as far as which one of these guys starts uh, on the field. Maybe you guys disagree. I don't know. I think we've been spoiled, to be perfectly honest with you. And I think that that scares Mizzou fans a little bit because, I mean, we went back to back to back to back of senior running backs that have been phenomenal. I mean, I would put us against any team in the SEC with the talent that we've had for for years. 
But that kind of speaks, though, to I mean, because most of those guys aren't big time recruits and you can go back further. I, I mean, when when Tony Temple left, you know, he runs for 240 yards. It's great. He was one of the biggest recruits Missouri had ever gotten and and had a, a really good career. And then he leaves and hey, Derek Washington takes over and he's good. And then he leaves and then it's it's Kendall Lawrence, Henry Josie, Marcus Murphy, Russell Hansborough, just four years in a row. Somebody ran for like 900 yards every year. <laughs> And that's mm-hmm. the point. They just kept putting guys out there and right. because they had a good line, they had a good passing game. If you have those things, these guys are all competent Division One athletes. I, I'm not sure it matters who plays there. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and that's something to bring up of, of like Tyler Beatty, right, kind of spoiled uh, Mizzou fans last year of getting – all the yards. That's what he did. He specialized in getting all of the yards. That's probably not going to happen this year of one guy getting all of the yards. If it does, it might be on the wide receiver side of it. We could talk about that later. Uh, but I think that uh, and when it comes to running back, you kind of have to talk about the offensive line as well. Um, you mentioned those running backs did have some very good offensive lines. Some offensive linemen that are still playing in the NFL were on those teams. Um, so that's going to be very interesting to see. It's an offensive line that has a little bit more seasoning than it did last year. Um, and then hopefully that they can get a little bit better to, to kind of help compensate, right. For maybe the, I don't want to say lack of talent because I don't that, think that's fair either. The lack of maybe elite skill star power. Is that fair to say? There yeah. we go. Star power uh, in the running back room. I still think that they can, they can help kind of help elevate that. Is that, is that fair to say you think? Yeah. I mean, I, and I look at the offensive line the same way. Like it, now look, the truth is we don't know who a great offensive lineman is, right? We don't break down film. I mean, I've legitimately gone to SEC media days, and when I get to voting for the all-SEC team, I'm like, I don't know. That guy plays guard. He has a cool name. I'm going to vote for him. You know, I don't know if he's any good or not, but, yeah. but I like his name. Um, but, like, there's nobody on Missouri's offensive line that I think anybody's talking about as an all-SEC first-teamer or an NFL, you know, first or second-round draft pick. But – that doesn't mean that that the whole thing together can't be good. Yeah, yeah. It's just going to be one of those position groups to watch again. Uh, exciting guys, two transfers coming in to kind of help boost that competition. I think Elijah Young looks like, you know, he's the, he's the guy that's been there for three years. Love to see him kind of take that by the reins. But as we're getting from Mizzou insider Gabe DeArmond right here, exclusive on this podcast, uh, we are getting that it looks like uh, Cody Strader has been the most consistent. That's what Drinkwitz has said. That's exciting. Consistency is what you want when you play in football. And to be consistently good, uh, you lo- you love to see that stuff. And moving on to the wide receiver room, where they've got some, they've got a couple seasoned guys there. Uh, when when you talk about Tusky Dove, you talk about uh, you know Barrett Bannister. That dude has been around. Yeah. Barrett and I were freshmen together at Missouri. I think. <laughs> I wrote this down. He was he started. He's been with the team since 2017. So uh, Barrett Bannister and I graduated high school at the same time, um, and he is still in college. He's they don't have him as a as a senior on there. They just say grad student when they talk about his age. So it's, there are some seasons. I think he's in denti- dentistry school, if I'm correct. Um, I do. Yeah. I have a good friend um, that lives in Fayetteville that is friends with his family because he is. From Arkansas, which is one of my mm-hmm. favorite reasons or one of my favorite things about him is that he's yes. from Fayetteville and he plays with the zoo. So, I mean, besides he's very, very reliable wide receiver. And I think he's the guy that when you're rushing down the field, like you got to score, like you go to him. Like he's one of those guys like that. But I do like that he's from Arkansas. 
<laughs> this is where we need to test your production skill and and see what if we can break copyright laws and have you insert the uh, the the uh, Adam Sandler um, from Billy Madison. You know, he's grabbing the kid. Don't leave. Don't ever leave school. <laughs> you know, that's Barry Bannister uh-huh. and him and Jack Lowry are going to be here in 2030 or not Jack Lowry, uh, Jack Abraham going to be here in 2037. Listen, I, if you can do it, why not do it? That's what I'm saying. Uh, Jack Abraham, does he only is this his last year of eligibility, or does he have one more left? I, mean, I feel like he like still has theor- one more. Theoretically, yes, it's his last year, but who knows, man? He's gotten seven. Why not? Why not give it a shot? See if they'll give you an eighth one. Wasn't it Brandon Brandon Whedon? Wasn't he like 28, 29 or something? Played for Oklahoma State. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, but he went and like played minor league baseball, baseball for a few yeah. years and then came back and his eligibility had never started this whole thing with the COVID year and then he got a medical waiver and he had a red shirt. I think he's out of ways to get an extra year. But like, mm-hmm. again, if you can do it, go ahead. But I'm going to be honest. I bet honestly that Jack Abraham probably works harder on a weekly basis than any of us do. Like he plays football and goes to school. He puts more hours in than I do. So maybe you ought to graduate and go get paid. He's got to have at least, he's got to have at least four uh, uh, degrees. Degrees. (laughs) He's qualified to do everything. He's going to be so bored with school. He's just been in there so long. He's just got to keep coming up with stuff to major in. (laughs) I already took this class twice. (laughs) They're not going to have any classes left for him to take. Uh, I don't know because he was like wine tasting and scuba diving. I think there's plenty of classes he can probably find. That would be a fine. That'd be a fine class to take. (laughs) You have to think that this year, this year's got to be real easy for him class wise, right? That's what I, that's the question I want to ask him. Like, you know what, Jack? What classes are you taking? Year eight in school? What classes are you taking? E- either that or he's like legitimately out just running a business in his downtime, right? That's the, that's what he does instead of class. Uh, he wouldn't wouldn't be surprised, I, especially in NIL today. I, I also want to know, wh- where do you take scuba diving in, in Columbia, Missouri? Where Where's that class held? Like they Stevens do, Lake? Well, I think they just do the at the at the rec at center. The pool. Mm-hmm. You get like trained there, and so that you can okay. do it other places. I did not take it, parent, mom, and dad. I did not take scuba diving or wine tasting. I just want to throw that out there. That'd be a solid one. Should uh, should have probably. I know. I don't. I know. I rookie mistake. Yeah. You can't. Well, can't if maybe you didn't normal. spend seven years in college. Maybe you didn't. Get I know. That I graduated on time. Somebody told me once I should have. A K State grad actually told me. Um, that graduating in four years was like, uh, what was it? Leaving the party before nine or something. And it took me a while to realize that. And then I was like, man, I should have just, you know, stayed there and did five or something. Listen, Barrett Bannister is taking advantage of every everything he can get. Um, I thought I did think it was funny that they didn't say like he's a senior. They said grad student. Uh, like these are the only ones they have that like listed for like we can't we can't actually classify this dude <laughs> because he's so old we've got to say he's not actually really in school anymore he's just he's just showing up to practice essentially he's actually the wide receivers coach yeah. <laughs> hey and speaking of well, wide receivers was, coach no i was gonna say wasn't it uh south carolina pulled a dude off the coaching staff and played him at quarterback last year so he did yes People forget about that. That was wild. Um, there was and some wild stuff doing it. People forget that also the LSU LSU played like a wide receiver at, at, uh, quarterback against K State in their bowl game. In the and bowl K-State, game. 
K-State thought they were so good. After I, think, I think LSU played like the janitor at the rec center. Um, I don't even know what player. I don't think any LSU players were left on that team to be K- perfect. Kentucky honest. played a wide receiver at quarterback for a full season and won like eight or nine games. Man. I guess when you're a Division One athlete. Let's do it all. Well, and you see players, you see like uh, Jamarion Wayne that they're trying to move, who's been playing wide receiver in high school and that they're moving to defense. I mean, these yep. players are so athletic that they can play multiple positions. I mean, you you see it. Uh, who was the, was it Sean Robinson? Who did, isn't that who we mm-hmm. moved? Like, and I mean, he's, he's, a, he's actually he's at K-State, K-State now. now. He's at in K-State, like year yeah. nine. Yeah, he's been around for a long time, too. Oh, my gosh, he has been. I had somebody tell me, I had a K-State fan tell me that Mizzou's best quarterback is now playing safety for K-State. And I was like, that is just, like, incorrect. Um, best say, quarterback? Yeah, saying that Sean Robinson was Mizzou's best quarterback, which is was never true at any point in his time. Um, which, you know, can't fix stupid. But uh, <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jacob Peeler, he comes from, uh, was he at Mississippi before Texas. he came here? I knew He came from Texas State, but he was at Ole Miss before that with uh, with DK Metcalf yes. and, uh, and AJ, AJ Brown. Brown, I believe. DK Metcalf, by the way, who was uh, high school teammates with Jack Abraham. And I believe maybe... <laughs> in Jack Abraham's wedding. Um, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure about that, but DK Metcalf who literally is holding out for was, was talking about holding out for a second NFL contract, <laughs> high school teammates with Missouri quarterback, Jack Abraham. And this conversation has now come full circle as we talk about this wide receiver room. And the first guy I put on our list was Toski Dove. Uh, I just think that what he can do this year it could be really impressive because what he did, he played last year and he played very well Uh, named to the Earl Campbell, Tyler Rose award, which uh, I was doing more research into that award. And there's like, you have to be from Texas. You have to either go to a Texas school, be uh, graduate from a Texas high school, something like that. But it, it recognizes the top offensive player in division one football who exhibits the enduring characteristics that define Earl Campbell. And they list integrity, performance, teamwork, sportsmanship, drive, community, and tenacity. He had 50, he has 50 receptions for 914 yards and 29 career games for the Missouri Tigers. Gabe, what do you anticipate this season uh, from Dove? Well, it's funny because he's going to – it's another year where Towski Dove is just going to be the guy that everybody kind of doesn't talk about. 
right yeah. i mean they're we're gonna talk about love it and and i heard they got a good freshman and you know mookie's <laughs> healthy and all that um and Towski Dove's just going to be out there and he's going to start and and he's probably going to be pretty solid, not spectacular. But I mean, he's a guy that he only even got a scholarship to Missouri because somebody else decommitted and they had a spot late. You know, he was he was right. like a two star kid that that everybody said, eh, I don't know, we got a spot, might as well take a shot. And he's he's turning a, a nice college career, but he's just never going to be the guy that anybody really goes into the year saying, hey, this is this is our number one receiver. Yeah, I find that well, really it's interesting. It's impossible to be the number one receiver uh, when you bring on Luther Burden, too. So, I mean, <laughs> so I, I want to ask you guys legitimately because I've got a theory on this. Like, okay, throw out your what are your expectations, like numbers wise? What's Luther Burden going to have this year? Because I, I have a theory here and I want to see if it holds in terms of just receptions, catches, or... touch, catches, yards, touchdowns. Give me his line mm. at the end of the year. I'm going to go, oh, this is hard. Um... <laughs> See, the, okay. this is, this, I, this is I, I what don't makes know. a really I'm gonna good go podcast with, I'm gonna... when you can just get people sitting <laughs> thinking for a minute. On the That's spot. True. It's easier for me to say I think he'll have like 12 touchdowns. Like it's easier for me to say that than how many yards I think he's going to get because I he's a great returner and he's i mean based on what i've seen because most of us have been watching him for three years and that's one of the things that i try to remind people like i have a lot of friends that are ou fans and like once he was there i was like none of us ever gave up hope because we all knew who he was and we knew that there was a chance that we could possibly get him so i mean he's electrifying he can make those big plays um will he do it at the college level I hope so. But all right, so twelve touchdowns for Maggie Tucker. What? What? Like? What? Do you, what? What year does Luther Burden have? And you say that's a good freshman year. I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah, I think that if you get any sort of, um, you know, a decent amount of production for from him, I think is going to be good. So if you think, I think the the max. Okay, so so hundred yards a game, right? They played twelve games. That'd be twelve hundred yards, right? That's I'm pretty good at math. Which is what um, he had his senior. That's his senior year. He had seventy one receptions for twelve hundred, for a little below twelve hundred yards. So I was also looking at the other stats. I was going to try to Google uh, what the uh, single season receiving record was and just say that just so be, <laughs> just, yeah. just for jokes. Uh, but I was looking at at you know Dominic Lovett, twenty nine passes, one hundred seventy three yards. Like he's going to do more than that, I think. Um, when you talk about other guys that have done Mookie Cooper, 17 pass, 17 catches for 194. I think it's more than that. Okay. So it, my point here, and I think like we're talking about a hundred yards and a touchdown a game. Yeah. It has been four years since Missouri had two receivers combined to catch 1200 yards of passes. That was Emmanuel Hall and Jonathan Johnson. Um, take a, cause I've looked all these numbers up. Chase Kaufman, most prolific receiver probably in the history of the University of Missouri. Freshman year, you know the numbers? 47 catches for 500 yards and five touchdowns as a true freshman. Now, now look, he had a lot of dudes around him um, yeah. and obviously went on to be great. Uh, Denaro Alexander, greatest. He's the one that holds the single season record, right? 1,791 yeah. yards in the greatest individual season in Missouri football history, without question. But true freshman, 15 catches, 251 yards. He got hurt. But like, I, I'm just 
And I think it's more so when a kid like Luther comes to a place like Missouri that doesn't get a lot of kids like Luther. If he goes to Alabama or Georgia and he catches 40 balls for 500 yards, people are going to go, hey, man, that's a pretty good freshman who, look out, as a sophomore, this kid could be like All-American Bolitnikoff type kid. Mm -hmm. If he catches, let's say he catches 60 balls for 600 yards and seven touchdowns. That's a fantastic – that is like – the best true freshman year in the history of the University of Missouri. And I think if I put those numbers out, Missouri fans are going to go, I don't know, that's kind of underwhelming. And I, I, that's, man, that's a lot to put on a kid that he can't throw himself yeah. the ball. You know, um, I, I just I just think the, the, the expectations for this kid, I don't even know if it's possible for him to meet them in year one. And if he does, phenomenal. But I think his biggest contribution to this team might be, Hey, two guys are following me everywhere, and Dominic Lovett and Towski Dove just went off and had 800 yards apiece. You know, um, so I just I, look. He is electric. I I went to see him play his season opener last year, and he scored an 82 yard touchdown the first time he touched the ball. He I think touched the ball six times and ended up in the end zone four of them. You know, so like he is oh. elite, but it's just a true freshman with we don't know what they have at quarterback we don't know what the running game is i think if you're setting expectations of 100 yards and a touchdown every game i don't think it's fair to the kid and i would agree yeah. with that yeah i would I think that's uh, and, too. and i think that when you talk about the expectations you start talking about a true freshman coming in they almost are hedging expectations when it comes with sam horn right i know sam horn didn't come from missouri he was a top rec quarterback recruit but they wanted to bring in another guy. They wanted to have, you know, Brady Cook start. They weren't going to throw him to the fire right away. But it seems like it's like Luther Burden, you got to come in, you have to produce. Uh, it seems like that that's kind of what it's been like. And they're not taking, not saying that this is a bad thing, they're just not taking that same precautions that they are with, with Sam Horn. It's well, a different position it, too, right. but... Yes, my quarterback is so much different. And look, we understand like Luther is going to start the first game. He will lead this team in targets. They will yeah. throw the hell out of the ball to him. Um, because also, look, we all understand the other options he had. And if he gets to week six and he's caught 12 balls, that phone going to be ringing from Athens, Georgia and Norman, Oklahoma and other. They're not going to worry about NCAA rules. They're going to yeah. be calling his people. Right. Um, so I understand all that. I, I just. It's the one thing I hate about like what we do. I think Blaine Gabbert had a football career that like 99.9% .9 of people in the country would kill to have, right? Yeah. And I think because he was the number one quarterback in the country, there's a decent number of Missouri fans who go, I don't know, it just fell a little short for me. No, it really didn't. He was really good. He just wasn't Chase Daniel, but he was really good. You know, and so I think... It, it is, and I wonder all the time, like, why do these big-time kids keep going to the same places? Well, I don't know. Sometimes maybe just being one of the guys, if you're Jamison Williams and you walk into a receiver room that has Chris Olave and, and you know, Garrett Wilson and all these dudes, like, it's okay if you're not an All-American as a freshman. There's, I mean, there are expectations on Luther that there have only been on two or three players in the history of this program, and that's a lot for a kid to handle. Agree. I do. I do like what you said, though, about um, if, you know, they do end up putting him in double coverage or something and the guys that are behind him. And 
I mean, even we, you know, we talked about Dove and we talked about Love It, but I mean, I'm excited to see like what a couple other of them can do. Um, I I was looking up Chance Looper because I think that he showed a lot of flash of like good hands, speed. I think he had six catches in the Texas A&M game. Like I, I'd be excited to kind of maybe see what he could do. And obviously Mookie Cooper, who anytime you get someone come from Ohio State, you know, your eyes are like, like you get really, really excited about it. Um, I'd like, I'm really excited to see what he's, what he can do in a Tiger uniform as well. You know, playing behind Luther, who all eyes will kind of be on. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good practice to start already is kind of hedging your expectations. That's what I always try to do is hedge my expectations. It's going to be a lot more fun watching this team if you don't expect, uh, you know, a career day every day that Luther Burden steps out onto the field. Right, um, and and look, it. now that I said that, legitimately, Louisiana Tech's going to go three and out and punt, and he's going to go ninety yards for a touchdown. <laughs> and like, if he that happens, hit. dude, all bet all bets are off. Like, they're throwing Heisman posters on the field. So is he has he been returning? Is that is that a part of his his duties? He's nobody has said he's the punt returner, but he's going to be the punt returner. He has to be the punt returner, right? I mean, you don't it, uh, you've seen it's a waste if he's not. Right, I agree with you. Yeah, I was just curious. He, I, I, was curious. I mean, I'm not kidding. That that game I went to last year, guys. I, he didn't just end up in the end zone four times. Like no, legitimately nobody touched him, and that was against you know CBC that. I think won a state title last year. You know, I mean, he wasn't playing. It, it, I remember watching uh, the the Joplin High School game that they had, uh, Joplin versus Springfield, whichever Springfield school DGB went to, and they put it on ESPN one year. And I'm like, I don't even know if this kid's good because like he's legitimately playing against me. Like these are five eight white dudes that run like a five two forty, and of course he's got six hundred yards receiving. But I mean, this was a legitimate team, and Luther just. It, it was kind of like, you know, what we see, it, what we saw Tyreek Hill do so many times, which is just like, well, I know these guys have the angle, but I just know I'm faster than them. So I'm going to run that way anyway, and I'm just going to go to the sideline. I'm going to get there before they do. Well, another interesting point that I found of this wide receiver room, there's a ton of guys from St. Louis. And I know that's been a, this has been kind of a big emphasis of getting these guys to stay in state, but uh, Mookie Cooper, uh, Dominic Lovett, a St. Louis guy. I think he even went to East St. Louis as well as yeah. Luther Burden going to East St. Louis. So there's a lot of guys from from St. Louis staying in in state. Well, I mean, you had Mookie Cooper come from Ohio State, but regardless, they're still coming to an in-state school. I guess not technically in-state, but with Eastern with East St. That's Louis up for being debate. Illinois, up for debate. Yeah. <laughs> regardless, they're staying. They're coming to Mizzou and they're going to this wide receiver room. And I think that that could be something that means something, but maybe it doesn't. Am I reading too much into that? I don't think it hurts. Um, you know, uh, I, I mean, ultimately, I don't think anybody cares that Chase Daniel was from South Lake, Texas. You know, they, they still really like the kid. Um, so if you're good, at, but yeah, those three guys, look, the quarterbacks from St. Louis, um, you know, it, it, it they've got a tight end that, might be able to play this year from Lee Summit. So I, I think it does hit a little different when it's in I mean, I think people root a little harder for in-state kids uh, in general. Well, and let's be honest here too. In the Midwest, I feel like we almost have, I noticed that a lot with Kansas City and St. Louis, we almost have this need to be like 
to prove to other states and other cities that we're just as great as they are. So I think, and I mean, I mean, I got St. Louis stuff like all over my house too. So it's like, you want these players to come and be like, look, they wanted to stay home because Missouri is so great. I think that's just a, I think that's a Midwestern thing. I think Nebraska does it. Iowa does it. I mean, you, you love those home state boys. You just, it doesn't get better than playing for your home school. I saw a thing a couple years ago that said like Kansas city is the only city where people legitimately like have all kinds of t-shirts that just say Kansas city on them. Right. And I have like three of them, so they're right. (laughs) But I, I laugh all the, you know, the whole St. Louis, Kansas city thing. I'm like, but you guys understand that like outside the state of Missouri, nobody ever thinks about either one of them. Right. Which kind of goes back to what you're saying. Yeah. Unless they're trying to steal our players. Right. Because there's all those Notre Dame right now. They're doing like that Notre Dame or the Lou to Notre Dame. I'm like, back off. Yeah. Get away from my high schoolers. (laughs) So I think that what's really interesting is you talk about it almost seems like every time there's a conversation about Luther Burden, DGB comes up, right? Because he was the other consensus five star that was selected. Um, selected like they drafted him or something <laughs> they just Who's, picked him they were like <laughs> they're gonna like, come yeah, here now we want him we want this guy um i wish it worked that way but do you see any similarities between the kind of these two situations coming into their first year game not really other than they're both wide receivers right but yeah. i mean dgb was just he really he never had to to work i don't think mm. because he was he was a physical freak I, I mean, he was just the kid you looked at and go, well, yeah, of course he's the best player on the field, right? And right. Luther is, I mean, you know, he's six feet. He's You don't look at him and think, wow, this this kid is obviously – now, when he starts to run, you kind of think that. but um, And he's shifty and, and all that. But I, they're different types of receivers. And I think Luther right now is certainly a better football player than Doriel was. Mm. Doriel was just so physically gifted. Um but I don't think he really knew the offense his, his first year. He had 400 yards receiving his first year. You know, I think it was kind of if they could get him in the right situation and just say go, it, it, you know, it, it worked. But I don't think he had a great grasp of a college offense. And, like, I, I want to be fair because I know a little bit about his background because we did a lot of stuff on him. I mean, Doriel dealt with a lot of stuff that none of us could possibly – talk about dealing with before he got to college so I'm, I don't okay. want to talk bad about the kid you know but I I think they're a little bit I, I don't know Luther's home life really mm-hmm. I may not talk to his parents but that's about it but I just think football wise um, kind of IQ for the game and stuff like that I think Luther is significantly different interesting looking at uh, Doriel Green Beckham's uh, rookie year here 28 receptions 395 yards is it a win maggie do you think it's a win if uh luther burden gets more than that do you think people even pay attention to that i mean i don't haven't heard a lot of comparisons really between the two so i mean i think kind of like gabe said do we have high expectations of course i mean i said 12 touchdowns because i'm a fan and that's what i'm gonna say um and you know (laughs) That's what Twitter is going to say. Um, and yeah. they're probably going to say, no, 14. You know, <laughs> I might even be like underplaying what a lot of the fans would say. But a lot of fans are also saying that, you know, we're going to win the SEC championship. Yeah. True. I would I, love to, I think, but I don't know. <laughs> I think when we talk about season long numbers and we do it in basketball too, I, I think we just kind of 
discount how hard it is to average some of these. Right, yes. like a twelve hundred yard season. If you go out in one week, you catch three balls for forty yards. All of a sudden, you've got to have three games where you have one forty to make up mm-hmm. for that, right? Um, so I think, I, I think that's where. Now, look, you go out and I mean that season, Denario he had he had four two hundred yard games, you know. Right. So, so you can you can do a lot of a lot of damage. But um, I think he's he, the comparison. And look, I've just spent twenty minutes saying, well, pump the brakes. The player comp for him here is Jeremy Macklin. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the type of player he is. Um, you know, I, I think the style, the game, and what – something you don't think about, Tucker, I'm sure you've heard Chiefs NFL people talk like this. What made Macklin – so like he ran a 4-5 something at the, at the NFL combine. He was not this – once he got to the NFL, he wasn't like the fastest guy on the field. Right. He probably was in most college games. But Missouri coaches always said what made Jeremy just unbelievable was he was at full speed in two steps, right? He was like yeah. the 0 to 60 in 1.4 seconds. Uh, so when other guys are gearing up, he's got six steps on him because he's already been at full speed for – for six steps. Um, and I don't know if Luther has that kind of acceleration or not, but like, he's the first guy I thought of when I saw Luther play in person, Jeremy, like that's the comp, the body type. Um, and and I think people, because Jeremy became kind of a possession guy in the NFL, people that aren't Missouri fans forget a little bit about what he was in college. But so now that I've said pump the brakes, yes. Uh, Luther will have like 2,800 all purpose yards this freshman year. Hey, if, so, if if Luther wants to be a two-time All-American. Right, that's okay. Fine. I'm not, yeah. not going to say no. This podcast will allow it if he wants to go ahead and do that. Well, that's okay with us. We've cleared it. Well, so we've compared him now to DGB, uh, Jeremy Macklin. Um, let's see if we can put any more expectations on him. I mean, I know who – did you guys hear who Drinkwitz compared him to? Oh, no. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> somebody I, – I forget. Somebody asked, you know, is Luther like blah, 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 and Drinkwitz said – the player that comes to mind for me is Amari Cooper. Oh who my goodness. Also had 1100 yards at Alabama. And I, that kid is yeah. a true freshman. Like I thought, and he's pretty good in the NFL, but I thought he was going to be an absolute star. And he was in college. So I, I don't know. Coach isn't pumping the brakes at all. <laughs> he no. kind of got a little unlucky too. I would say, cause didn't he play for what the Raiders and then the Cowboys and not their greatest quarterback yeah. play. So, I mean, Played well when he went to the Cowboys, and then yeah, he did. The Browns first, now, yeah. but yeah, yeah but knows. I mean, he was on that Alabama team that beat Missouri in the SEC title game, and he was <sighs> filthy. At yeah, he, they whooped us, and it was a tough one. All right, so let's wrap up the show with a couple of questions, Maggie. You put some questions in here. This is from your Twitter at Maggie L Johnson. Go follow her on Twitter if you don't already. What are some of the questions you got? So um, here's the first one. Uh, this is for you, Gabe. It's at Shanman1966. What redshirt freshman from last year do you see most likely having a breakout season? Okay, redshirt freshman. Um, I wrote about this like at the beginning of camp, and I've already forgotten about that because it was like <laughs> two weeks ago, so I don't know who I listed. Um, I think a guy that – and I'm not sure who redshirted who didn't, but Arden Walker on the defensive line is a guy that I think is going to be in the rotation. Um, at defensive back, DJ Jackson played a little bit last year. Um, I don't know if he redshirted or not. Uh, I've got a story going tomorrow on Dalen Carnell, who's kind of playing that new star position with Martez Manuel. So 
those are some guys I, I think could, and you talked about Chance Looper earlier. Um, you know, I don't, I think maybe he's been here two years, but a guy that hasn't had a huge role that I think will have a lot bigger role this year. With that said, um, it, Gabe wrote about it. So uh, go uh, subscribe to Power Mizzou. Go find it because it's been a long time and I don't know where it is. <laughs> um, here's another question. So um, I'll start with uh, you on this one, Tucker. Okay. Give us y'all's, he said y'all, so I'm just repeating it. Um, yeah. Best in-person Mizzou moment. Okay. This one always comes to comes to mind. I was at uh, the Midmo Miracle. So that one was was a really good one. Also at the um, it was the week that the kick six happened. The kick six happened. I was standing in the Mizzou team store and I watched it happen. And they also they beat Texas A&M, right? That's who it was. Um, I think that's right. And I stormed the field as well. So that one I was at that one. And then I was at the one was that the year before the year after that they also won a game at home to go to the SEC championship. Yeah, was that 13 those? was 13 yeah. was Texas A&M. I was on the hill as well. Yes. And then, yeah, 14 was the next one. Yeah. So, so I was Maggie, at all three got, of those things. You got to answer this one because more people are interested in yours because mine are obviously a little bit different experiences than your guys. <laughs> okay, so I will actually give you give you um, what mine was. And it might it probably won't be a popular one because a lot of people would not have been there. But I was at Nebraska um, the year that we ended the 30-year uh, drought. My family's oh, actually – yeah, on the road. Yeah. So I'm actually, uh, I was born in Omaha. My family's up there. They actually have season tickets to Nebraska games. So I was like, I got, I got to go. Like we've been playing so well. I have to go to this game. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, what we won like what? 42 to I think it was 51 10 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Something mm. crazy. It was amazing. They hated, I mean, I, I'm not an obnoxious fan, but you better believe I was excited. So that was the um, one my, Macklin. Macklin took a screen pass like 60 yards on like the second play of the oh, game. Yeah. It was amazing. There was only like two people in my section and my family section is like right next to the band. Uh, yeah, they hated me, but it was amazing. I loved every second of that. I also loved, um, I was at um, the border war, 07 border Ooh. war. Oh, yeah. And that's just, it's iconic. It's still, it's funny. We still talk about it, but you'll see it on Twitter and people will be like, can you believe Kansas and Missouri played in this for the number one spot? I'm like, it doesn't seem like that long ago. Cause I mean, I was, I was in college, but that game um, will live in infamy for me. So. Yeah, that, that was a, I mean, that day was just, that was wild. That was one that I, I was, I tailgated with Stephen St. John. We, we had a thing before that game and a bunch of fans came by and all that. And it was just kind of one of those, if you grew up around MUKU, that was not reality. Right. I mean, this was, no. and I remember even Pinkle saying in the week leading up to it, like, you know, this, this probably ain't going to happen again, <laughs> you know? Um, right. But, but mine was, mine was the, the 2010 Oklahoma game. And again, my experiences at games are obviously a little bit different. Right. Um, I mean, I kind of tend to pick out my best experiences by like when we're at Nebraska, they always had really good pizza after the games for the media. <laughs> so I was a big fan of that, but yeah. um in the 2010 Oklahoma game, my my oldest son was 13 and he was a big sports fan. And and we went down at about 5.30 a.m. to game day on the quad. And I just remember, um, you know, I he got a spot and I said, OK, I'm going to run over to Starbucks and get us some stuff and I'll be back. And I remember walking back from Starbucks and as a kid who had grown up going to games where there were 36,000 people 
and had been in school and they went to the holiday bowl my senior year. And that was like all anybody wanted. Just give me one bowl game before I'm done and we're good. And and I remember just kind of standing back on the J school steps and looking at the quad and going, this, this doesn't happen here. You know, this is, this is not a thing. Um, And the shame of it now is obviously there's 10 years of fans who, who haven't gotten to experience something like that. And, And I think, you know, every year a few more people kind of appreciate what Gary did here. And Maggie, I know you said those were your college years and you don't realize when you you're going through it that like, Hey, remember this. Cause this ain't what everybody gets. Right. And people like that was um, also, that was homecoming. It was, I mean, mm-hmm. I will, I was, this is, this shows my fandom. I was sick to my stomach the night before that game. I had just graduated. I had just graduated in May I was in grad school and I came back for grad school and I'm staying at my friend's apartment and I am like up all night. I'm nervous as hell because I'm like, can we actually veto you? Because I was at Mizzou in 2007 when we lost to them in the big 12. I was at Mizzou in 2008 when we lost to them in the big 12. And it was just always so deflating. And to have that win, oh, it was, yes, one of the most exciting moments at Faroe. The two loudest moments I've ever heard at a Mizzou sporting event were when John McGaffey took the opening kickoff back and when Christian Moody was at the free throw line. I mean, those two (laughs) moments, like I've never heard, I've not been in person when I've heard something that loud at at a Mizzou event. I mean, you know, I've been to some other things that might compare. That Zaire Taylor shot, it was, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was pretty happening then too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Last question. We'll get this one um, real quick. This is at bsarver35. Um, what sort of growth would you like to see from Drink this year? Uh, growth in the win column. Yeah, I think would would be just would be a good games. sign, right? Just um, win more games. I but I, this is interesting because it depends on who you talk to. I, I mean, I, I just posted something on our message board today, and people get mad at me. I'm like. He has he gets more leash than any Missouri coach I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. he's eleven to twelve, and I understand the recruiting classes. And I am he should be here two more years. I've said if Missouri fires him in the next two years, I'm writing a column saying Missouri is stupid, right? Like, don't I'm not advocating that, but I think even he understands it's got to translate this year. Yeah. You got to see some wins, and you know what I want to see. I want to see that for the first time in three years, he gets the quarterback position right. We talked about it last week. That That's the most important thing to me. If yeah. Okay, so I was thinking about this earlier myself. It's not part of the question. But say the quarterback like position doesn't go right. Does Drink look into hiring a full-time offensive coordinator if it doesn't work? Or do you think he's he's in it for the long haul? I I just think like that's why you hired him, right? Mm-hmm. If he has to hire somebody to do that part of the job, you hired the wrong coach. I mean, it's, it, you know, I know Andy Reid has an offensive coordinator, but we know Andy Reid's the offensive coordinator. Right. That's what he does, right? So Drinkwitz was hired because he's an OC and a play caller. If he can't do that part of it, he's not going to be here long enough. He's in too deep I at think. that point. Yeah, I, I think he's just in too deep to kind of turn another round. But yeah, I do think the wins is going to be something. I think I want to see him beat some teams he shouldn't, right? That uh, Maybe on paper that it looks like, yeah, they shouldn't. They got a tough first part of the schedule. Uh, if they can come out of the schedule, I, I've always said if they come out of those first six games, three and three, I'll be in a good spot. 
I'd like to see him come out of there yeah. four and th- four and two. You know, you know, maybe maybe sneak in a, a win from somebody that they really shouldn't be uh, when it comes down to it. But I I think that really for me it is just getting those wins. And man, I want to see him win a bowl game. He's been to a bowl game the first two years, but he's lost them both. I just want to see that that bowl game win and kind he of get didn't get a, he didn't get a good one. That's true. They were he's only lost one it, bowl yeah. game. That's fair. Right. That's fair. Well, they, they lost to COVID the the first year. Oh, that's yeah. true. I do think <laughs> I. Don't I think I do think Iowa hung a banner for that one. So yeah, I don't think anybody at Missouri was sad about that. But like, here's the <laughs> other thing: I think you have to see. There can't be any Tennessees. There can't be any right. Texas A&Ms. I'll, I'll give you Georgia. Whatever you get, Georgia's up twenty-eight nothing after a quarter. I don't care. They're going to do that. We covered the spread. We covered. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But no other games can they be over at the end of the first quarter because right. this schedule is not that good. There's nobody that, that you go in saying we have no shot other than Georgia. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. It's uh, I really just think the first, that first half of the schedule, right? Those first six games are the toughest one that can really make or break their season. Right. If they, if they come out of there, look at like, you know, God forbid two and four, that's a, that's going to be a tough hill to climb in the back half of the season to get back to bowl eligibility, and I think that really for morale they're really going to need to go at least three and three. Um, so I'd like to see Drink win some some of those games uh, that maybe you shouldn't win. That maybe people don't think that that Mizzou has a chance and get that upset like um, maybe the LSU. I know LSU wasn't good when they beat him, but uh, still. <laughs> but was, but like he got he got a lot of mileage out of that because it he seemed did. like a really good win and. Then you found out LSU was awful. It's not that great a win, but that's the type of win that can really get you going. Yes, yes. They need something like that, I think, this year. You guys got anything else before we, before we wrap up for another week? No, um, we covered a lot I of topics. I think so. Yeah. We did. Covered we did. a lot of <laughs> It flew by. We're already at 51 minutes. I know. We've talked a whole lot. Next week, we're going to talk a whole lot again. So make sure you subscribe to the KC Sports Network YouTube channel. Subscribe to where you're listening to this podcast on the audio. Make sure to drop a five-star rating and a review. Those really help us out, the discoverability, all that, the algorithm stuff. We really appreciate that. Make sure to share it with your friends. If you got some Mizzou friends that, that need a Mizzou podcast, we are here for them. Go give them a share. So until next week, we'll talk to you later.